Hello and welcome, it's that time again, the monthly and finally podcast review of December. A light-hearted review of the month in football, sacking, strikes and culture classes, it was one heck of a month. In China, there was Fabio Cannavaro, the Italian legend. He led Guangzhou Evergrande to their 8th Chinese Super League title, despite having been suspended from the role in October and sent to attend a corporate culture class. Not sure what it actually is, but it seems to have done the trick and Cannavaro has put back in charge after agreeing to deep self-reflection. Perhaps this, this, that is something that could be brought over to English football. I can see it now. The meeting where Burnley tells Sean Dice that he needs to attend corporate culture class. The reply would no doubt be to the point. Just two words and begin with F and end with F. The revolving managerial door at Watford has been picking up pace. The great return of Kike Sanchez-Flores even lasted just three months before they sacked him yet again. Probably well remembering why they sacked him the first time around. At least this time they didn't bring in another man they had previously sacked, though it must be getting difficult to find anyone left that hasn't been in charge of the Hornets now. Instead they turned to Nigel Pearson, who has been out of work since his sacking by a Belgian second division club. Obviously the plan is to bring Pearson in to steady the ship and then replace him at the end of the season with Ranieri and win the title. The mess at Macclesfield Town has been a lengthy saga, but December saw it going to overdrive. With wages unpaid once more, the players went on strike and a game against Crew was called off. DFL said it was sympathetic and was helping to ensure the players were paid. However, they still gave them gave Macclesfield a six-point deduction for failing to fulfil the fixture. There could be a lot more to come yet, though, as the local safety advisory group told them to shut the stadium and a winding-up petition issued by HMRC against the club was given the backing of former manager Sol Campbell, who revealed they still owed him £180,000 for his short stint in charge. It's little wonder that the owner, Amar Al-Qadi, revealed he is close to completing the sale of the club, probably desperate to get rid of it. It was always likely to end in tears when the Madcap former Leeds owner, now owner of Brescia, Massimo Cellino and Mario Balotelli teamed up and so it has proved. Cellino sacked the manager Fabio Grosso after three games in charge, then brought back Eugenio Carini, who he had sacked in the first place to replace with Grosso. Then he told Mario to find a new team in January on a free as he is no longer wanted can't quite understand why they're in a relegation battle at the bottom of Serie A though. Speaking of badly run things, after years of being run appallingly badly, so badly that the police are investigating them for fraud and arrested two people so far in connection with it, the Football Association of Ireland have begged the Irish government for a handout. Unsurprisingly, the government told them to get lost and it could well see the end of the professional league in Ireland. The Indian Super League seems to be the home of failed Brits these days as John Gregory left Chennai in to be replaced by Owen Coyle with the team's second bottom of the table. I used to think MLS was scraping the bottom of the barrel with the players and coaches it got from the British game, but the ISL seems to have dug a little deeper still into the scrapings left behind. Bordeaux's support is unhappy with the club president, Frédéric Longapay, and protested during their game against Nîmes. The supporters left the stands in the 11th minute and gathered at the corner of the pitch to call for longer pay to resign. The game was stopped for 25 minutes because of it. Didn't seem to cause much of a problem for the team though, who won 6-0. FIFA revealed that spending on intermediaries rose by almost 20% over the previous year. Portuguese clubs managed to spend more on agents fees than they did on transfer fees. And 80% of the spending was by the big six leagues, Italy, England, Germany, Portugal, Spain and France, unsurprisingly.
I don't know why FIFA are surprised, as they were the ones that deregulated agents and allowed it to end up this way. Sheffield Wednesday and the EFL have become embroiled in a bitter argument after the Owls were charged with multiple con- counts of misconduct relating to the sale of their stadium to their owner, Dej von Chancery, in order to avoid falling foul of FFP regs. DFL said they did not know what was going on, but Wednesday claimed they were given authorisation by the EFL to do it. Andros Townsend has revealed that, like many others before and after him, a night in Blackpool nearly put an end to his career. However, unlike Ed25's recent visit and subsequent pub and club crawl, Townsend's was down to a night alone in a hotel room while on loan at Birmingham. He spent a sleepless night ahead of a championship play playoff semi-final, lying in bed gambling £46,000 away. Thankfully, he's received counselling for his addiction now, but she's forty-six grand in one night. That's nearly as much as Ed25's bar bill. Italy's continuing idiocy with regards to racism went on unabated in December. Sports tabloid Carrera della Sport decided to headline the preview for the game between Inter Milan and Roma with the words Black Friday and with a picture of Romelu Lukaku and Chris Small on either side of it. While Lukaku called called it the dumbest of headlines, the paper itself tried to defend it by describing it as innocent and a way of celebrating diversity. The clubs both banned the paper from their training facilities for the rest of the month anyway, and not to be outdone by the stupidity of the headline, Syria itself decided to launch an anti-racism campaign by using a poster with the faces of three monkeys with painted faces below the message Say No to Racism. When black players in Italy still face monkey chants regularly, Syria could not have got it much more wrong if they had tried. After a storm of criticism, they did quickly apologise and promised to produce new artwork by the end of February. I dread seeing what they come up with next, though. I have vision of, visions of a new poster with gollywogs throwing spears on it as their next attempt to combat racism, judging by the previous efforts. All of that made it seem a bit childish and pointless when Inter cancelled a pre-match even press conference claiming that Carrera Dello Sport had published a letter about their manager Antonio Conte that was offensive. The letter had, in essence, been a moan about everyone glorifying Conte when his football was rubbish. All a little petty but seemingly fair as Conte is not exactly a manager who plays attractive attacking football. After an embarrassing thrashing at the hands of Liverpool in the Merseyside derby, when all the talk before kick-off was about how Liverpool had disrespected them by fielding a weakened team, Everton dispensed with the services of Marco Silva. They were in the relegation zone after a run of three successive defeats and Duncan Ferguson was given some temporary charge. Thankfully, though it was barely mentioned at the time, maybe just once or twice every five minutes, Big Dunk was given Howard Kendall's watch for luck and it seemed to help as Everton improved under him. Napoli then decided to help the Toffees out before the luck ran out and sacked Carlo Ancelotti, replacing him with, bizarrely, Gennaro Gattuso. Everton somehow managed to tempt Carlo to take charge of them, though I'm not sure what it was about the job that made him so keen. I mean, they only made him the third highest paid manager in world football. Oh, and he got to keep Ferguson on the staff, so he still has the lucky watch to call upon as well. Cardiff continued their sickening efforts to weasel out of paying for Emiliano Sala by appealing against the FIFA order to pay up. Cardiff have appealed to the Court of Arbitration for Sport to ask them to rule that they did not have to pay the agreed fee for the transfer of the player who so tragically died. 
Chelsea have hit out of FIFA for their transfer window ban, accusing the ruling body of treating them more harshly than they did Manchester City. Their two-window ban was cut in half on appeal by the Court of Arbitration for Sport, but Chelsea pointed out that Man City never got any kind of ban for a similar offence. Obviously, we all know that Sepp Blatter left FIFA as clean as a whistle with his protégé Gianni Infantino in charge, so clearly it's just some kind of error, right? Speaking of FIFA... They began legal action against Blatten in December, attempting to recover more than £1.5 million that he had transferred to his then-vice-president Michel Platini in 2011. Obviously just a bank error in their favour though, as both Blatter and Platini have said they they are clean, and we all believe them of course. Hard to believe, but there was another FIFA corruption issue this month as well with the former president of the Tanzanian Football Federation, Jamal Malinzi, who was found guilty of document forgery. FIFA banned him from football for 10 years and fined him over $500,000. He was also given a two-year jail sentence by a Tanzanian court. Well, two years jail or pay $220. I think I know which I'd choose. Who would have thought I'd be saying this, but Barnsley were in the headlines during the month. I know it wasn't one of those worst places to live lists either. It was because of their sack manager, Daniel Stendhal, who was so popular with the fans there that they threw him a leaving party in the centre of town. Stendhal had taken over at Hearts and then found himself at the centre of a public row over compensation. Hearts refused to pay any as Stendhal had been sacked. Barnsley said they should because they sacked him for speaking to a rival championship club without the board's permission. All very confusing as I'm not sure how a Scottish club hiring him has anything to do with an English championship club trying to hire him before. And Barnsley weren't even done there, as their former assistant manager Tommy Wright has been convicted of accepting a £5,000 bribe to leak commercial information about players. Wright was caught during a newspaper's undercover probe into corruption in football back in 2016. A pair of agents were also convicted of paying and facilitating a bribe. The pair, Dax Price and Giuseppe Pagliera, were also found to be breaking football rules by acting as third-party owners of players. Who knew there was so much happening in Barnsley? Arsenal have announced a pre-tax loss of £23.5 million for the year, but I'm not sure if that was related to their choice of Mikel Arteta as a new head coach. Not that I'm suggesting he was the cheap option, though he was defo the cheap option. There are a few records broken in December, with Claudio Pizarro facing the 38th different Bundesliga side of his career, more than anyone else in the history of the competition. The Peruvian striker, playing for Werder Bremen these days at the age of 41, already held the record for the most Bundesliga appearances by a foreign player and oldest goal scorer. In Spain, Real Betis legend Joaquin became the oldest player to score a hat-trick in La Liga at the age of 38 years and 140 days, beating the previous record set by Alfredo Di Stefano 55 years ago. There are a couple of records broken at the other end of the age scale in the Champions League, as Ghent goalkeeper Martin van der Voort became the youngest keeper to start a Champions League match. Van der Voort was just 17 years and 287 days old. And Ansu Fati scored for Barcelona to become the youngest goalscorer in the Champions League at just 17 years and 40 days old. There was also a new mark set in the Europa League for goals scored as Rangers Colombian striker Alfredo Morales notched 14 the most ever managed before Christmas in the competition. He needs just five more to beat the overall record of 18 managed by Falcao in 2011 when he led Porto to lift the cup. Republic of Ireland international Daryl Murphy revealed that he was banned for six weeks last season after failing a drugs test. 
The FA covered up this suspension and it was instead claimed by his club Nottingham Forest that he was injured during the period. It does make you wonder how many injuries are actually suspensions. There were a couple of mix-ups during the month. One is something I think we've all done this season when the announcer at West Ham's London Stadium announced that David Luiz was coming on to replace Granit Xhaka. Unfortunately for him, it was actually the other side show Bob Lookalike, Matteo Guendouzi coming on instead. I bet the announcer is just glad Ethan Ampadu hadn't signed for the Gunners as well. And speaking of Chelsea, their midfielder Tiemu Bakioko is currently on loan with former club Monaco and he got a little confused too. When the fourth official raised the board to take off Monaco's number 14, Bakayoko trudged to the sidelines, only for Monaco manager Leonardo Jardim to point out he wears number 6 now. He wore number 14 on his first spell with the club. The best bit was his reaction as he creased up laughing and took to social media after the game to beg the club to give him the number 14 back. Who says footballers aren't very bright? Jordan Ibe's antics certainly suggest a certain lack of intellect. It is little wonder the former Liverpool winger is struggling to break into the Bournemouth team when you consider he was able to crash into a coffee shop in his Bentley and then drive off without noticing he left bits of his car behind. Showing all the skill behind the wheel that he has exhibited on the football pits, Ibe managed to collide with a parked car and then a shop front. Is it just me who's picturing the scene from Wolf of Wall Street where he classes, crashes his Lambo into everything but in his head he believed he was driving like a god? Actually, that could kind of describe Jordan Ibe's career recently as well. There has been a running battle between fans and players at Lyon, particularly Brazilian defender Marcello, which began as long ago as October. It started as the players were waiting for their plane home at Lisbon Airport after losing to Benfica. Fans were berating the players for the defeat and Marcello objected to the treatment. Since then, one particular ultra group, Bad Gones, though I, pronoun- I apologise for the pronunciation, has been targeting Marcello for abuse. This came to a head after Lyon came back from two down to snatch a draw of RB Leipzig in the Champions League and a Lyon fan ran onto the pitch waving a banner which branded Marcello a donkey. Lyon's captain, the former Man United winger Memphis Depay, ran half the length of the pitch to try and grab the banner and ended up in a scuffle with the fan with the banner and some other Lyon ultras. Depay claims he was spat on by the fans and things were said about a teammate's family and children. I think Marcello had the right response when he responded to the banner by simply raising the middle finger of both hands to the crowd. Mamo's Latin statue got more unwanted attention in December. It got to the point where police put a fence up around it in an attempt to keep it safe after vandals attempted to saw through its feet and put a rope around its neck as they tried to topple it. This follows on from graffiti, a toilet seat that had been placed on his head and then his arm, a bag put over his head and it being set on fire. Despite the fence and the risk of it falling over as the feet had been partly sawn through, someone got in and cut the nose off the statue. I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to think someone doesn't want the statue there. I am perceptive like that. A list of the six fastest players in the Premier League was released, which had some surprising results. For instance, there was no sign of Wolves flying winger Adama Traore, who I would have had down as by far and away the fastest of the lot. Newcastle United's own lightning quick winger Alan Sam Maximin was only sixth. While it is no surprise to see Kyle Walker in the list, it was a surprise to see him equal fourth with Aston Villa defender Bjorn Engels, who has never even seemed remotely near to as fast as Walker. Walking, maybe, but not Walker. Phil Foden was third and Shane Long second, with Leicester defender Suyuncu top in the list. Yeah, I'm not buying it that Suyuncu is quicker than Traore either. Speaking of speedy players, 
In the Bundesliga, Real Madrid's on-loan youngster Atraf Hakimi set a new top-speed record while playing for Borussia Dortmund. Oddly, Hakimi's record speed is almost one full mile per hour slower than the speed that it is claimed Siunchu reached. While Hakimi set a Bundesliga record of 22.49 mile per hour, Siunchu was claimed to have reached 23.3 mile per hour. Incidentally, Sam Maximan would have beaten the record if the claimed top speed of 22.8 mile per hour he reached is real. Yeah, I don't believe it either. Someone's numbers are clearly wrong, and I don't think it's the Bundesliga. A Ferrari over Albacete's former Rayo Vallecano forward, Roman Zazulia, saw a Spanish second-tier match between the two teams abandoned at half-time. The Ukrainian international joined Rayo online, on loan even in 2017, in a deal which was cancelled within hours after Rayo fans turned up to training with a banner reading that this was not a place for Nazis. The entire first half of the game with Albacete was marred by the Rayo fans chanting about Zazulia being a Nazi and, amid claims of threats as well as the chants, both teams asked for the match to be abandoned. Zazulia claims the links with a far-right movement in his homeland are untrue and simply the result of a misunderstanding with a journalist, though photographs of him do tend to suggest that there is more to it than a simple misunderstanding. However, I never knew that a person's beliefs were a reason to stop him playing sport. Isn't that exactly the kind of thing the Nazis were known for? You know, forcing everyone to be the same as them. So what makes the Rio fans think that what they're doing is okay? Schalke's keeper, Alexander Nubel, went all Harold Schumacher and picked up a four-game ban and 12 grand fine after a bizarre flying kick into the chest of Eintracht Frankfurt's Mayat Gasinovic. Nubel came charging out of his goal towards a loose ball. I totally missed it as he leapt into the air and smashed into Gasinovic's chest. Having watched the incident a number of times, it did look as if Nubel missed it because he was more intent on clattering Gasinovic. It was such an easy clearance to make as well, but he messed it up and cost himself a red card fine and ban out of pure stupidity. Major League Soccer has picked their 30th franchise, which is to be based in Charlotte. The MLS team has not yet been given a name, but will play home matches in the same stadium as NFL team Carolina Panthers, which will be renovated for them. The main thing I took from it is that I still have no idea where Charlotte or Carolina is, but at least I now I now know one of them is in the other, which sounds kind of wrong. A doctor who had worked with Manchester City as a consultant for at least the last eight years has been dropped by the club after being accused of an anti-doping violation while working as a club doctor for, Ant- for Berry. Dr Andrew Johnson had been charged with giving a player a fake medical reason for a therapeutic use exemption to use an otherwise banned substance believed to be testosterone. He'll be working in cycling no doubt next. Bayern Munich have confirmed Herr Flick will be staying on as their interim boss until the end of the season. I always thought that about him, you know. Whenever I saw a low low, I always thought that Herr Flick would be interiming. A bunch of Eritrean players once more ran away from their team. This time, seven players from the squad they sent to the Kakafa Senior Challenge Cup did a runner when it was time to go home. It was only as recently as October that five of their under-20 squad did a midnight flit rather than go home. Perhaps they need to look to employ Herr Flick when he's finished it into rimming at Bayern. He wouldn't put up with that, would he? Oddly, Addo Den Haag have appointed Alan Pardew to rescue them from their relegation battle in the Eredivisie. Den Haag's general manager said they were very enthusiastic about Pardew's football vision. Well, it wasn't going to be his management skills that they, that excited them, was it? And speaking of odd appointments, West Ham have sat Manuel Pellegrini to bring back his predecessor, David Moyes. 
Last time Moyes was in charge, he convinced the club to bring in consultants to look at the club's infrastructure. The consultants told the Paul Barons that the club is a League One club in terms of recruitment and training ground, but with a fantastic stadium. Sullivan and Gold reacted to this news by getting rid of Moyes and hiring Pellegrini while doing absolutely nothing to improve the infrastructure. Then they wonder where it all went wrong. So I'm sure bringing Moyes back will fix all the problems magically. Well, it worked at Man United, Real Sociedad and Sunderland, didn't it? So there we have it, December's and finally round up, just in time to start on January's. Bye bye.